Hello, welcome back, listeners. It's Jacqueline here with the second episode of the Helsinki series. On this episode, we have textile artist Uti Martikainen. Uti's works are deeply influenced by craftwork traditions and architecture. Through the unconventional use of materials, Uti plays with colors, forms, and light and shadow, creating intimate and personal pieces that allow viewers to reconsider the reality around them with a new set of eyes. Welcome to the show, Uti. Hello, and thank you for having me. This is so interesting and exciting because we don't know each other. But um, my story is, uh, I was um, recently thinking about uh, things back to my childhood, which, which was quite heavy to carry because I was uh, raised by my grandmother. I didn't have parents or they were not able to take care of us, me and my sister. And I I born in Jyväskylä, it's a small city in the middle of Finland, 300 kilometers from capital to north. And uh, then we moved to Helsinki, but when I started school, grammar school, I was like seven years. And then my family split, that me and my sister were living together with grandmother, who was working in Jyväskylä City's theater, like cleaner lady. And that was uh, 70s, early 70s. And because she was working quite much also in evenings, so mainly this beautiful building of Alvar Aalto's from 1924, which is not typical how Aalto is known from like he was a modernist, but this is a classicism time house and it began to be my home totally that that is the only house from my childhood when i now uh, look the pictures that i can even smell the house that was so strong because i spent there so much time also daytime when i wasn't at school and uh, i was wandering there alone so the whole house was empty and then evenings when my grandmother might have like evening shift so we were watching all the plays all dramas musicals tragedies everything i think my fair lady i was sitting there all performances that i have seen then that maybe 50 times so um that was already a quite interesting um a special situation to me because i was totally like orphan in a way so i was already on the outer circle kind of outer circle in in real life so we didn't have a normal family and everything was so different because of the theater also but this house means me so much because um, i was so young and i used to always walk there like tracking somehow drawing my hand behind me and watching all the surfaces because they were iron concrete wood whatever building material class so i i have that house in my hands even i feel it in my hands and it has a huge cast iron front door which i just could pull open when i went in and then it has beautiful uh, and very homey and comfortable proportions so you come to a lobby which is quite low and small and then after that there opens staircases to a bigger bigger room which is this uh like audience for your how you say 
and uh, it's really decorative. I can recall all the light fittings there because they were specially designed for that house. In pictures, what you can now see from there, it's renovated like twice, so I can't find any more the band, for example, how it was, but all the mirrors, all the windows, all some small detail. I haven't been there since many, many years. I should go and experience that, because I could go that time also to the staff area, so I got into this magical life of theatre, which I ever since have uh, had in my life, very strong. And uh, I still go like almost like twice a month in theatre, because Helsinki has a very good theatre. And that time when there were no like that family, what I saw that people or other children have, this theatre was me a place where I could just forget everything. I could jump on some kind of stage and I could even that time already understand that my situation is just like special, but uh, life is full of all kinds of situations. That this is what I see now, that that was a wonderland to live on that kind of uh, background because I could jump into the play and totally be like swollen of this acting. So um, I see now, also uh, nowadays, I, in my big scale works, I see this very clearly that I have a kind of idea of a scene. There is happening things like in colors and structures and bindings and whatsoever, but still it's very consolating and very, how to say, like in theatre that you can forget, you see only that what is happening and then you go in there and you go back. And um, of course we were also acting in some small children roles. I don't remember that was so interesting to me that I would have continued to theatre school or somewhere. I, I was more interested about this, that I'm, I'm alone. That I have used to already be a lot of alone because the life of mine, that there were a lot of like open things that I couldn't, uh, I didn't have anybody to guide me but this grandmother. But when the house was empty, I remember how beautiful it was and how how much I could enjoy about the aesthetics already as a seven years old. I didn't know that this is a building of art. The whole city of Yuvaskula is full of these modernist art of buildings and it's very famous because it's a university city also. And around that city there is other famous art of buildings, but this is, uh, this was to me like a home and home for the soul also. And it helped me, like in many times in my life, I have felt that art had always been the one medium that uh, it has explained me the world. Because I used to understand the world without words, because there were no people around me so much. I was so much alone. So I got this sense of somehow an eighth sense of visuality that saved myself from 
many, many bad things what happens around. Because in my background, there were my father's violence and alcoholism, which was something that I need to have something like books like Astrid Lindgren, storybooks to understand that there is other things too, that this is not like, this is just happening. We just met in wrong time with my parents. And uh, well, I was born wrong time or, or wrong place. But art has somehow explained me always things. But I'm so blessed on that. I really want to emphasize that how important that is in life. Because there is something that it can heal person. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's so beautiful the way that you talk about perception that the space of your home, this theater, not only provided you a visual understanding and visual in the kind of empirical sense, but somehow it's a reflection back into a deeper perception of yourself and your environment. So there's something super beautiful about that. And I also particularly loved the way in which you talk about art as a medium to heal, but it's also a world building that there's a sort of sense in which you can immerse yourself completely in there and see that there's some kind of other, again, perception, another way of seeing something, another way of interpreting a situation. So that was such a lovely connection that you had made. And I thank you so much for sharing the story. I look at the pictures of this, of this space that you're talking about, and it's beautiful. Yeah. The first floor with the round foyer is... Yeah, it's, that it's, was for audience. It's oh, captivating. Yeah. I mean, the red is so vibrant. And, and even in the picture, it's drawing. It has a certain powerful energy that I see. I mean, it's noted as a distinctive feature in the building. So I can only imagine being there in person, the kind of immensity, that kind of feeling of being inside and being completely absorbed by that energy must have been so special. And to be able to be a child. And touching all the surfaces. Mm. There were so many details on the house which yeah. I can like remember in my hands and the round foyer is interesting because that was the place that alcohol was served mm. so during the performances all the men <laughs> went to into this round foyer and the coffee was served around the foyer so and it was a communal was a, space too uh, it was a theater at that time. Right. O only, only, only a theater, like city mm -hmm. theater. But earlier, it was like a workers, yeah, workers house. But like twenties, it was made for mm -hmm. like a community. House. And so, my understanding of this space now is that it's been protected by the government, and they've renovated it and tried to restore it to its original kind of status. Of course, I'm sure they've made some changes in between. But I had also read that it's no longer open to the public in the same way that it was. It's only open for special events and for tours. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's mm -hmm. that's sad thing. But maybe they don't have any ideas that there's lack of ideas in, in old houses that what you use them for. That's sad thing. But I, I don't know why, because it's very, very beautiful. Yeah. And I can only imagine as a child to be able to touch all the surfaces. What a... A sensation to be able to feel everything and that must play so mm. much in your choice to go into textile work too because mm. yeah maybe and my grandmother was a seamstress like mm -hmm. a self-taught seamstress also 
and she is from Bipok, from past Karelia, mm-hmm. which is now Russia. And uh, she has this uh, like pedal power singing, sewing messing. And uh, I think that that was also because this was on hands. Mm-hmm. There were always textiles on hands because she was so much doing clothes and home textiles and uh, everything was done by hand that time. Mm-hmm. Still like 70s. Mm-hmm. And I love that just going back to the idea of the visual once again, you were talking about, you know, being in the theater, being immersed, but also there's lights, of course, light fixtures. There's the way in which the stage is lit by certain lighting. And I wonder whether that's played somehow into your pieces as well. When I look at your pieces, there's a, a real engagement with the way in which things are portrayed. So in my mind, there's almost like an inversion of color. Sometimes I'm seeing a certain art piece and I feel like I'm looking at it. If it was a photo, it would have been inverted in the colors. And there's this kind of twist. And I wonder whether the experience of seeing things lit a certain way in the theater and being surrounded by these beautiful lighting has kind of allowed a sort of change in the way in which you see things and the way in which they're lit and they're colored. Yes, and maybe there is also, I try to build them like layers on top of each other. So there is like, I have, at the moment, I designed the material myself, which I'm weaving, which is a three or five millimeter thick cord. They are braided from synthetic fibers because that plays very good with light. So they are difficult to photograph because you have to walk around them mm-hmm. because it's so three-dimensional. The material is so thick and the color changes mm-hmm. from different angles. And that I want that people do that. They are like scenes, like stage. And then while they are in a bigger place, like they have been now in my recent exhibition. So that has been perfect because my solo exhibition was on a um, staircase of a house from 40s because I was looking for a kind of special room for them and people could then have very very different angles from 20 meters to one centimeter and all that in between. Yeah and I love that there's also a real consideration of the architecture of where in which you want to place your pieces and I can see that that has almost direct links to your story and being in this very beautiful building. I mean, it truly is an extremely extraordinary building, architecturally speaking. So I wonder, has that really played in the way in which you envision hanging your works and where you want the works to be hung and the color of the walls? Is that something that goes through your mind as an artist when you're creating these pieces? No, that I have been thinking because theater has been so big part of my life. And also when I was applying to art academy, I was thinking that if it's stage design or textile. Mm. And then I took textile because the material was so near to me. And in that time, they were taking only two to stage design Mm. and eight to textile design. So I was... Yeah, it made sense. Yeah, but I find out now that I can do that. Yes. What I was, like, combine these two things now. I know that you had done a couple of pieces in in which you um, 
designed the exterior surfaces of yeah. buildings. And I found that that bridge between textile or, and what you were trained in, but also the understanding of architect. And you worked in an architect firm too. So there's this beautiful marriage in which you're almost bringing in together all of your experiences, your trained experiences as an artist, but also your environmental experiences and your surroundings as a child into this beautiful whole. And it's so detailed too. I'm looking at the pictures and it, I wish I could touch it. I, yeah. I'm compelled to touch it really. It's, it's really nice to walk on them. <laughs> before, they are before they are framed because they feel so good on feet yeah because it's so poor like um three-dimensional and i wonder i know that in gallery spaces and of course in museums you know touching is not allowed uh, mm. you know we're not allowed to touch the artworks there's always this sign that says do not cross i wonder then that aspect of tactility feels so important in your pieces not just with the material but also just with even the piece that we were talking about, that you could feel it on the bottom of your feet and the sole. How does that translate as a viewer? Because I feel like as a viewer, would there be something missing? Or do you feel like that kind of lack is actually more powerful? The fact that we can't touch it is actually what makes the work even more powerful. The structure is so big that it's easy to see and feel it. Because it looks so different from 20 meters mm -hmm. to very near. You can't, uh, it's like a two dimensions of the work. You can't anymore see the, maybe the image, which is there, which I like very much because weave structure, which I have now enlarged quite a lot. You can see them in jeans if you have a, you know, a glass. Yes, you see the same structure, but I wanted to make it bigger because they are so beautiful. And then they cut a little bit the image, which is not the important thing. It's there. It's only a hint, a guide to the imaginary. Because I always had an image in background, but then I want to little bit like diminish it. That there is a colors and all this moving around. And nowadays in some works, I have also reflective yarns which react to uh, light. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question, which is this exploration of new synthetic materials, new synthetic cords, but also the exploration of technology too. I know that in one of your pieces, you have masks that I believe the audience can wear and they're, yeah. they're uh, framed yes. with LED lights. And I thought that that was so interesting because weaving is such a traditional craft and led lights feels closer to the kind of the modern contemporary age how was that working with your collaborator was there a bit of tension at first did you feel nervous or was it exciting no first i did only these works with these reflective lights and mm -hmm. i was always trusting that the works are installed so that opposite side there's a lot of light and mm -hmm. then people walking in between and then the work itself lights it. I didn't want to have any cables or any electronics in the woven piece. But then uh, I had a friend of mine who is uh, making interested about LED light. And then we had weekly uh, one workshop here. I was first like, no, 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 I'm not interested in strong lights. But then we could design the lighting to this eight LED individual situation. I could get the 
situation what I want into this mask. So people could watch, nobody else in the room could see anything else but the one who had the mask. And in this latest exhibition where I was exhibited with Michelle Oder, we had two works where these masks were working. So this was uh, interesting because I could design myself how the leads, which is the rhythm, which is the color, which is the, like, how strong they were. And that was very, very, I was totally hooked on that. And all autumn until Christmas, we were playing with them. And then we could just then kind of situation and we saved them. And we saved them in the internet and we took like a part of internet out some small spot from internet. And in the gallery, we didn't need any more than a charger. No internet, no nothing. And nothing in this woven, but reflective yarn. And I love so, the reflective yarn. There's a sense of, um, if I may say so, there's a sense of performance that comes into it. The idea that, and this is just talking about the reflective yarn itself, that when an audience walks through the space and the piece is activated, there is a sense of performance to that that is quite special and unique. And for me, at least, hearing your story and your childhood experience, there's these subtle ties that are pulled into theater and the staging and the lighting and the performance of it all with this reflective yarn. And I don't know if it was intentional. I wonder if it was intentional. But then thinking about the lead lights and how there's a, almost a unique immersion into looking at the piece thanks to the lead lights, then I'm almost brought into being an audience inside a theater watching a play and having that full immersion myself as a public. And again, I wonder, was that, was there an intentional tie? Was there almost this tapping into your childhood memory when you were working with lead lights and working with reflective yarn? Or was it almost an organic kind of beautiful full circle that you had experienced as an artist? Yeah, maybe. But then uh, I could add like with the reflective yarn, because the situation where the works are exhibited, they are not always that perfect for, mm. for the work. So that was the one solution that then I can always adjust the light as I wish. Because these reflective yarns, they make an extra layer onto the work. Mm -hmm. And other situation, first there is something and then happens something else. Like double images with the light. And mm -hmm. these LED lights made it only like extra layer on it. Or like stage light. That you can see it like this or, or without and I wanted to ask one specific question in your choice of using synthetic fibers or synthetic material. I know that in your artist talk, in the link that you had sent me for your current show with Michelle Otter, you had mentioned in that artist talk that wool and silk were materials that you would have liked to use. They were expensive, but then also after reflecting on them, wool and silk felt a little bit closer to the body. They felt more like they were something that were more intimate and personal. And I just wanted to know whether we could talk a little bit about your ultimate choice of going back to synthetic and being almost like choosing synthetic over silk and wool. Does the choice of synthetic play into your story? Does it play into your experience of touching? Is there something specific about synthetic that you were drawn to? Uh 
I made some experiments first with braiding because I wanted mm. to have thicker materials. And then I found in a grocery store nice braidings and then I start to work on that, that where I can have them done according to my design. Because there's a factory. And then I found like technical factory which sold me monofilament yarns, but I chose them because they uh, work with the lighting so good. They like reflect light itself already. Silk, of course, too, but I can't afford the silk to work such big scale. I would love to. Mm. I would do everything on silk if I could afford, but I'm also very practical and I think that these synthetics are so near the same kind of shiny thing mm. that it's enough for walls. And let's keep the silk near the body because they are so beautiful silk clothing when it's beautiful cut it dress or skirt or whatever but when it moves on the body i like to watch this they are the trapperies and beautiful movement which make the lighting on the silk clothing but then i found also i had something like recycling in in my mind because i bought this monofilament synthetic yarns from a factory which makes like technical weaving and then I design what colors together and then I go to the small shop which make ropes and they could they could do some 10,000 meters for me as a commission so in, in one rope they could be 40 different colors so I very carefully chose the I have already mind in my mind when I start to work the colorway and mm-hmm. then I start to mix them from this thin, thin monofilament yarns. I know that, again, in the artist talk, you spoke about using materials that the factory no longer uses, correct? Yes, from their floors. I was picking up like randomly whatever they have, and then I paid for kilo. And I didn't know that time. I just take some, like, car full of, <laughs> and then I, then I came here to mix them in my studio and that's wonderful uh, small one man binding place yeah. makes them to me and i love that there's a sense of a chance and randomness too because you go into the factory and you pick up whatever they have essentially and you create something out of it even when you're figuring out the way in which the colors are going to come out. Because I know that you're talking about how when you're weaving, you can't really control which side is going to show. And so there's a sense of chance and randomness that you allow the piece to have, all while still having a very clear picture of what you want or what you hope to achieve, which is such a beautiful dichotomy that you have in the way in which you create. Yeah, and and the colors that when they learn really the ropes while weaving, because I can't Sometimes I am very strict that some detailed spot I want to have it this way. But like this randomness is making like a strange new colors, which I can only, because only always like two ropes make the one color from distance. So there is this kind of, um, that I like very much. Of course, I weave always samples from the mm-hmm. colors. Then uh, I experiment with choose the colors for, to the work. But still it makes, of course, the experiments are like 50 centimeters and the pieces are four meters high. So you can just you have a small idea about and then rest is like plus or surprises how it looks. But I want to keep that rule. 
book is interesting. The flexibility that exists in how the piece will turn out. It has its own life. I want to keep it because while I'm weaving, I have uh, music very loud here. This is a really like a show always. <laughs> and I'm moving because it's so wide the loom, so I have to stand. I'm almost like dancing around them. Because there I don't have to anymore think about everything is already because mm-hmm. it's digital. So I had a file which the computer reads and the looms are lifting the yarns to me. Right. So I'm just adding the material. Oh, it's so wonderful. I do have one final question that I wanted to ask, and it's going to be a more, I guess, a question that's less about your pieces and something that's perhaps more personal to you. But what play did you see as a child that really made the most impact on you and that you can see and watch over and over and over again and that you hope to share with our listeners? Fiddle on the Roof, because it was really sad story and it mm-hmm. was uh, great music. And still, because I do classical ballet as a hobby and sometimes I remember that there has been teacher has played or somebody played piano on those pieces and I I just totally collapsed because it Mm. was so whenever I heard it it was really great and maybe that I saw it a hundred times just continuing sitting there and understanding that life is beautiful even though it's hard it can be hard but there is beautiful things to trust that life is beautiful Yeah. And, you know, just to bring it back almost even to your pieces, there is beauty, even in the chance and even the randomness in which you allow that flexibility to come out. There's a capture of the beauty in your textile works. And I think that it's such powerful works to look at and the way in which you display it, the way in which you allow for play and for chance to take place is such an incredible thing that you do as an artist. So I want to thank you so, so much for sharing this story with me. Thank you, Jacqueline. This was a nice discussion. Yes. Really, uh, oh, thank you so much. And I do hope that in the future, I'll be able to meet you in person. Yeah, I'm looking forward. You are very welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Whenever you find the time. Absolutely. Have a good one. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Art and Other Stories. If you like the content that we put out, please consider supporting this podcast and its featured artists by donating at anchor.fm slash triptych hyphen arts. That's anchor.fm slash triptych hyphen arts.